Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization that mobilizes the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Donations to the United Way stay 100% locally in our community and get invested in more than 40 community-based programs. These programs help students achieve academic success, families to be self-sufficient and financially stable, and vulnerable households to get their basic and emergency needs met. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of community radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit uascc.org or call 716-483-1561. Jamestown City Council tabled a resolution to hire more firefighters at its voting session last month while Mayor Sunquist was lobbying federal representatives in Washington. We talked about that with him and more. Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist joins us in the WRFA studios today. Welcome. Thanks so much, Julie. It feels like it's been a while. Yeah, a whole month, but maybe, but more because you were out of town at the last voting session. But we'll get to that and a little bit later in the, um, our interview here. Uh, first off, though, uh, City Council tabled a resolution to hire eight new firefighters under the Safer Grant Program, uh, citing a need for more information about the potential fiscal impact to the city, as well as wanting to combine it with discussions on a second ambulance purchase. So we're expecting, I'm expecting that that will be on the council's work agenda when they meet on Monday. April 10th. So when it comes to those financial impact concerns, um, would you say are the numbers there to be able to absorb these new positions, including that four other approved that last year under the American Rescue Plan and Safer Ground? Once those monies run out, I guess? I I think there's always a question of once the money's run out, Uh, but the reality is we have an opportunity to make the Jamestown community safer right this Mm -hmm. moment, right? As of right now, we close a fire station every shift. Uh, We still don't have enough to run uh, ambulances uh, right now in the city. Uh, So when you talk about being able to add on new uh, firefighters that are fully funded for three years by the federal government, uh, we're talking about salary, benefits, all of those things. Uh, it is a really unique opportunity for the city not only to increase its fire capacity, firefighting capacity, uh, by opening up all stations all the time, uh, which is an inc- was a great thing, uh, but also running a second ambulance, right? Because we'll now have enough firefighters that are also EMT trained to pick up some of the slack. Uh, and oh, by the way, you know we've started in the last couple of years billing insurance companies for the use of the ambulance service. Uh, so last year alone, running one ambulance and not collecting from individuals, just insurance, uh, the city generated $300,000 in revenue. Uh, now, I don't think you're going to double it if you add a second ambulance, but I think you're going to get close to that. And you'll certainly add more revenue, uh, which will make up for the cost of adding new firefighters. I can't say whether it's going to be fully sustainable by the end of the three years because we've added a lot of firefighters along the way, but we have an opportunity to try that out now, right? We have an opportunity to say, let's make Jamestown safer. We've received federal funding for it. Let's accept it, and we'll work to try to figure out what what happens in the next three years. Now, there are other opportunities to apply for the Safer Grant again, which is a retention grant, and there are many communities that do get that. Uh, to to keep those those funds and to keep those officers uh, on, obviously not guaranteed, uh, but part of the process that will start now for the next three years. Mm-hmm. With the uh, firefighters, obviously, I mean, people don't live forever; they don't work forever. Sometimes, well, I shouldn't say that. Some people do work forever. It seems like, <laughs> but uh, you know, we, 
is there do you have an anticipated number of how many firefighters you expect may retire in the next four years, three years? We do. I unfortunately don't have that number offhand, uh, but we we know that there's going to be a significant significant number of firefighters that will most likely be retiring within the next five years. Uh, and, and that's just the reality of it, right? Uh, the, the life of a firefighter is only so long in terms of your working uh, days, not your actual life. Uh, but we want to, uh, we, we, we have seen a big turnover already, and we anticipate we're going to continue to see that turnover in the next five years. Mm-hmm. And you did mention that we've been you know, about the second ambulance. And so that's something that still needs to be approved by council. Am I correct? It is. It's something that we have been uh, looking at and we've talked about is using rescue plan funds for it. So it's it's really no secret that there are funds left. Uh, and in fact, uh, all of the things that we've given out to city council have said, hey, by the way, we're still thinking about this ambulance. Uh, the cost of an ambulance is about $250,000. Uh, but we have to, it's such a customized piece of equipment that we have to RFP for it. We have to put out a request for proposals. Uh, and get a specific vendor and uh, then allocate it. But uh, we can certainly allocate a general amount if council feels better about that, but we've already started the process of uh, getting that RFP together and hopefully getting it out. Uh, that's about a 30 to 60 days it usually is out there for. Once we've selected a vendor, then we'll kind of go through that process. So, okay, so then I, I guess I maybe I had it wrong in my head. I know that they Maybe the discussion about a second ambulance will happen will happen at the next work session. But really, if you're going to do the RFP process, that's something they're looking. You're probably looking at more toward the May or June meeting than to bring forward it for a vote. Then, am I right? Yeah. Well, there's two things uh, here. Number one is uh, accepting an RFP, which could come a little bit later, and the number two is allocating funding to pay for that. Uh, so it very well could be that city council wants to allocate uh, rescue plan funds for that, knowing that, okay, we now have $250,000 just for ambulance. Uh, but we still have to go through that RFP process. We can't just go and say, all right, we like this ambulance, pick it off the shelf, and, and here we go. We've got some needs uh, that the city has to meet in terms of customization and specification. So we start that process now, uh, and we're going to uh, continue to go through that, and hopefully it runs concurrently with us allocating that funding. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking this is similar to what you had to do for some of the DPW and parks uh, equipment that c- city council al- allocated money for it, but yep. the per- they weren't immediately purchased in some cases. Exactly, yes. So we allocate the funding for it, and then we actually go through the bid process, which we're required to do. Uh, We did the same thing when we purchased our last ambulance, uh, which was five, six years ago. Uh, I believe somewhere around there, uh, I had just come into office and I remember we were, we were, we just gotten it. So that would have been around 2020. Uh, so we did a full RFP for that process as well. That actually was bonded, I believe bonded for, uh, going back a couple of years. Uh, and so we're looking at potentially using rescue plan funds, uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, well, moving on to, uh, another topic, uh, one of the other things that was, uh, actually approved at the council's uh, voting session was funding for two splash pads, but they did an amendment to add a requirement that an independent engineering study be done on Jackson Taylor Park to determine if the soil quality can handle that splash pad. Um, I anticipate this is going to be an added cost. Have Do you have any idea how much added cost this will be to that project? Uh, we're unsure currently. We're actually, we've done uh, soil samplings already of Jackson Taylor Park. Uh, so we're actually going back to the engineering firm that did those and saying, could you give us an additional report based on the data you have already uh, to see if that will uh, support the splash pad? 
uh, which is absolutely fine. There may be an additional cost to that. We're trying to work through that, uh, but we're really use, utilizing the resources that we already have, which is soil borings of that site. Uh, and we're just asking those engineer, that engineering firm to confirm that that site is eligible for use. Uh, which is completely fine. We've had some conversations with uh, the engineers and the architects that are developing the splash pads. They think it will work, uh, but certainly we can uh, go back and ask a, a third party uh, to confirm that as well. Mm -hmm. So say something comes back and they say, really, this is not going to be a, a suitable site for a splash pad. And then you kind of then looking at the next part of that resolution, which was then swapping where the pickleball court, you know, was supposed to go over at Roseland Park and putting the splash pad over in Roseland Park and moving the pickleball court to Jackson Taylor. Obviously, the pickleball court is a little bit easier to make, you know, deal with in terms of that project. You know, you already have a pad that you can put it on at Jackson Taylor. But uh, in terms of what is available at Roseland Park, uh, are there any things that you're aware of early, you know, looking at early numbers saying, okay, we're going to have to, you know, put a line this farther along or are there water lines close enough and everything? Yeah, we're, we're still taking a look into it. Uh, this is the first I've heard about uh, Roseland Park was uh, earlier, uh, excuse me, last week. Uh, so we're we're kind of going through those those methodologies now. We've picked those locations mostly because of water mains as well as just general locations across the city. One of our biggest concerns was to make sure that uh, we'd heard from a lot of municipalities that instead of doing one large splash pad, they would have rather had they had uh, two smaller ones. Uh, and so we took that to heart and said, you know, instead of making one large one in the city, we really think that uh, we should split this up and look at uh, ensure that kids can reach either splash pad in the city. And so that's why we looked at Jackson Taylor Park. That's why we looked at a very variety of other parks, both for water mains as well as general location. So we're still looking into that, uh, and we'll certainly we're waiting to get back the information from the engineering study uh, to determine um, what's the next step from there. Uh, you have a, a public engagement meeting coming up on Tuesday. April 11th for the Jackson Taylor splash pad, assuming that everything, well, I guess it'll be the whatever Northeast side splash yeah, pad, depending. Absolutely. But how did the, uh, do you, can you talk about how the, the community meeting went that was last week, Thursday at absolutely. Allen Park? Yeah, absolutely. So we had a community meeting at Allen Park to talk about the splash pads to inform the community of what it would look like, uh, what other potential options there are for community input uh, as part of it. Uh, we had uh, quite a large crowd actually at the ice rink. Uh, well, I should say the former ice rink. We're not, I guess we don't, can't, can't call it ice rink anymore. Uh, but we had uh, quite a large crowd. We probably had 20, 25 people uh, that, were, that were there that were really talking about wanting to know more. Uh, about the improvements to the park, right? And uh, what that would entail. Um, a good showing from the uh, Allen Park Women's Club, which has been a huge supporter of that park uh, and about ways that they can assist in this project. Uh, and it was really just providing information and talking about uh, the accessibility of splash pads because we're designing these to be accessible for everyone in our community. Uh, location of why we chose where we chose. Uh, and additional features that we're looking for around it. So we can talk about all the great things that are on the splash pad themselves, which we can customize and change. But we also want to make sure that there are benches around, that there are walking paths, that there are other things uh, there that help complement what the kids are doing, right? And there were a lot of questions about just how it operates, right? Since it's new to our community, if you've never been to a splash pad, uh, there's, there's a lot of questions about how you press the button and when the water comes up and where it goes and how it's recycled. Um, all of those things had come up. And so we were really uh, fortunate to be able to talk to the community and we're excited to be able to do that again uh, at Jackson Taylor Park. 
the one on the uh, April 11th is actually combined with the Department of Development's annual action plan, so use of our federal funding uh, in that neighborhood, in that part of our community. So we're really excited to be able to do that same thing and to answer residents' questions and also get feedback because we want to make sure that the locations are good for those neighborhoods as well. Mm-hmm. And this was, was not on uh, things I kind of gave you a heads up about, but I, every time I think of Jackson Taylor Park, I think of the Washington Street Corridor. Has uh, yeah. the DPW heard from New York State on <laughs> when 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 that project is going to... Honestly, I'm someone who drives on that street pretty regularly, and I know it's a state project, and I know they've contracted it out. But yes. So what, what is what is happening Well, you that? may have seen the cones pop up. Uh, so we, we do anticipate, we knew from the state that we were going to be the first project out of the gate. Um, after the winter season. Uh, So we're finally getting to that point. I believe the state is starting to prep uh, those roadways. Uh, So you'll probably see cones because they're moving equipment in and those types of things. So uh, I don't have a specific timeline of when that's going to be done, uh, but I can tell you they're they're starting that process to move the equipment in, uh, and we should be first out of the gate uh, for development after the winter season. Now, keep in mind, uh, we are just starting into the spring. So... (laughs) Construction season is upon us, almost. Right. Do you know is the is the uh, the hot plant open? The one for Asheville for plugging up those uh, potholes? You know, I'm not quite sure if the plant is open yet. Although mm-hmm. we have been doing some cold patching of potholes mm-hmm. uh, already, uh, and so we we typically do a really good job of sending our crews whenever there's not snow, and we're starting to move off of our winter schedule. Uh, and so we'll send out crews to patch potholes, uh, as well as we're working on finalizing the street repair list uh, for the year. Uh, it may seem early. I know winter has been a little strange uh, this year, so we're working through that. Uh, but we're very excited to be able to continue just an incredible round of street repair and road work that we started last year and that we're continuing this year. Uh, so it's going to be a banner year for construction, and I hope folks are ready. Mm-hmm. Well, I looked at the long-term forecast, and I see more than a couple of days in the next two weeks with temperatures above 60 degrees. So, yeah, spring is definitely here. So, <laughs> um, the, another topic that has been kind of been going back and forth between council meetings and the media reporting on it. But last month, uh, there was a lot of stuff discussion about the new parking meters in uh, downtown Jamestown, and there seems to be some confusion. That, and we had some listeners contact us even about you know have the new batteries for the uh meters been purchased and and or received yet and do you have any latest on what is going on with that yeah the batteries have been shipped uh we anticipate receiving them this week uh so we had received confirmation uh last week from the uh the manufacturer uh, or the the parking meter company uh that the batteries have shipped Um, we anticipate receiving them this week and we'll get them in as soon as we'll put them in the meters uh, as soon as we get them is there anything else that the city is trying to work together with the company to try to rectify this kind of situation for when we get out of these nice sunny days like we're having uh, and back into fall again? Yeah, we're starting to look at more about when the batteries will start to uh, start to dissipate. Uh, so there's there's been some confusion over that as well as the, the solar panel usage on them as well. Uh, we've also just had some discussions on um, where should parking go in the future? Right. Should we continuing to be using meters or should we move to uh, more kiosk stations every so many blocks on both sides of the streets? Uh, one of the biggest concerns that we had in the past was the power to those kiosks. Uh, and we've since learned that technology has changed that those kiosks are actually now battery powered. 
Uh, so you no longer need to have a dedicated power internet line to each of those kiosks. So as we start to look at whether meters make sense, uh, we're starting to say, well, maybe we need to look at more of pay stations in each area that's just done by your, um, your license plate. Uh, so there's been some discussion about that uh, and whether we want to move to something like that. So we're still working through that process. In the meantime, we'll make sure that those, those meters are up and running uh, and working as they are supposed to. Mm-hmm. So you were recently in uh, Washington, D.C. for the National League of Cities Conference, and you also did some other business while you were there. Can you give us an update on some of the things that you were trying to work to accomplish while you were there? Yeah, so I'm very excited that uh, Jamestown gets represented on a federal level. Uh, we're part of the National League of Cities, which helps advocate uh, for cities like Jamestown and many others across this country. Uh, but as part of that, I got an opportunity to do a lobbying day. Uh, so I spent uh, the, the day on Capitol Hill uh, meeting with our federal representatives, uh, including uh, Congressman Nick Langworthy, as well as uh, uh, Senator, I should say, Majority Leader uh, Schumer, Chuck Schumer. Uh, and I also spent as part of the, the National League of Cities board uh, that morning in the White House. Uh, so we started the morning talking about workforce development. And in particular, uh, with the passage of the Infrastructure Act, that is meant to uh, transform our, bro- our roads, our bridges, and our infrastructure across this country, there's a huge concern from the White House on whether we have enough people uh, to be able to uh, do this work, right? And there was a really great discussion from senior uh, leadership officials in the administration on how can cities be the driving force for workforce development Uh, And how can we create models that we can replicate across this country to train people to work on those items, that infrastructure, rebuilding our infrastructure across this country. Uh, And so the White House is looking to cities and looking for models that they can actually replicate across the country. Uh, So we've been very excited here just on a local level to create a a program for the construction trades using American Rescue Plan funds. Uh, The city council has allocated over a million dollars in workforce development funding, Um, half of that going to construction trades and the other half uh, going to workforce development in terms of manufacturers and other builders and things like that. So we're working through that process now and we're hoping to uh, make sure that our workforce is on the cutting edge for what's to come. Now you'd asked a little bit about some of oh, the. But I want to yeah. go back to the yeah, workforce because because my if my memory is, is short, then I imagine so so are my listeners. But so with the allocation of the ARP funds, have those actually been put toward programs already, or is that something that's your way? Because I remember I've, I've heard presentations yep. by yep. yeah on various workforce development things, but I wasn't sure if if you said okay, the million dollars has been allocated toward workforce development. There's is there now something we can say, and this is what it's gone to? Yeah, not yet. Okay. Uh, so we're we're basically we've worked with, uh, for example, the Builders Exchange, which is a combination of various units, uh, unions, and others uh, that are in the construction trades, and so they've been working to create a, a full curriculum to get uh, whether they're uh, young folks or whether they're um, adults that are looking to switch into the workforce of construction trades. There's a huge need for uh, folks that do masonry. There's a huge need for metal bending. There's a huge need for uh, construction overall. Electricians, we got to get them into that pipeline as soon as possible and get them in through those apprenticeship programs. So we've been working with the building exchange to uh, builders exchange to develop that program. 
Um, we haven't officially allocated it yet because they're trying to finalize their program and their national accreditation. Um, and the next one is uh, the workforce development in terms of manufacturers and other uh, needed areas. So we've been working with uh, MAST, the Manufacturers Association, the Southern Tier, as well as a bunch of other agencies. And actually just this week, we're going to be bringing all of those agencies together uh, and having a conversation of what does a, collabor a collaboration look like? between all those agencies. Now that we have some federal funding, some uh, seed funding to make this work, this is the first time we're really bringing all those agencies together and saying, what does everyone offer in terms of this pipeline for manufacturing and workforce development? And how can we engage everyone down that pipeline uh, to make this happen? And I think, I think I've heard just about every elected official in Chautauqua County and, and outside our borders even say that workforce, having the people, having people who have the skills is, a top concern, um, in, especially in manufacturing. So yeah, I look forward to hearing uh, the, whatever comes out yeah. of that group. And I, we, there was, I think we got kind of a preview of it, at least what the Builders Trades group was doing when they, they were at uh, Jamestown Local Development Corporation's meeting last month. I think it was last month. Yep. I, 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 sometimes the meetings run together, but it was a great presentation. And I think if anybody's looking for it, you can rewatch the meeting online uh, on uh, jamestownny.gov. So, Great. Oh, I, and I cut you off. You were about to tell me something more about Washington, D.C., but I got excited about workforce development. So what was something else that you were going to tell us about? Uh, that's OK. Reporters cut me off all the time. They're like, we're, we're enough of you, Mayor. Uh, but the other thing that I got a chance to talk to our elected officials about, uh, both Senator Schumer and uh, Congressman Langworthy, were really three main issues that impact our community here in Jamestown. Uh, the first one being rail safety. There's a Rail Safety Act. Uh, if folks rem uh, remember or, or know that there is obviously rail lines that go through the city, active rail lines, uh, and safety of those rail lines is a top priority. Uh, it's incredible to me how uh, a lot of these rail companies have made record profits and invested little to no dollars in rail safety or their rail lines. And in fact, it's very difficult to get a hold of some of them when an incident does occur. Uh, so the Rail Safety Act is meant to help uh, help with that process and ensure that uh, that communities are able to respond to what we're seeing right now is a, a record number of derailments of trains across this country. Uh, so that's number one. And number two, we were talking about the reauthorization of the farm bill, uh, which is huge, not because we've got a lot of farms in the city, although we've got incredible amount of farms and dairy farmers and others around us, uh, but because the farm bill includes benefits for SNAP and others that are help our families and our kids uh, get the nutrition that they need. Uh, it also helps, uh, some of that funding has helped our public market, our mobile market, right? All of those things that provide uh, fresh produce uh, to our community. Uh, and so that's really important uh, for, for Jamestown, uh, given our impoverished area that we have, as well as our farmers outside, right? We wanna support our dairy farmers and our other farmers. And the last thing we talked about was essential air service uh, for the city of Jamestown. Uh, so I think I covered most of the transportation modes, but essentially air service is really big because uh, not only uh, do we want to uh, ensure that we have a way to get people to Jamestown, uh, but we have a way for people to transit out of Jamestown, whether they're visitors, whether they're residents. Uh, that uh, Studies have shown that airports create an economic boom in those communities that they're in. Uh, and with losing the essential air service, we've had uh, conversations with the Department of Transportation uh, that's really going to require us to engage our federal partners in order to uh, even think about getting that back. 
Uh, so that was some discussion that we had about the increase in not only tourism, uh, but people coming to Jamestown and how incredible it is uh, the need for us to have air service in our city. I think the Chautauqua County Industrial Development Agency is funding at least part, or I don't know if they're funding a part or all of a study for to yes. essential mm-hmm. air service. Yep. Because that's, I, if I remember right, in some of my discussions is that that seems to be a sticking point out there for the FAA. They say, well, we want to see this study to prove that you actually need it. <laughs> so Sure. Yeah. And I, I'm really excited to see that the, uh, the airport manager, who's absolutely phenomenal and looking to expand the ways uh, that our airport operates, uh, has been really talking about an airport study and how we can utilize that study to then go to the Department of Transportation, go to others and say, look at, there's viable air service that could happen here, right? Now's the time to invest in that. Mm-hmm. So moving uh, moving along, I uh, we're, in a, we're in a familiar place to me, maybe not so familiar to you, but a familiar place with New York State and the budget process. Uh, we're past April 1st and there is no state budget. So uh, in terms of some of the things holding up, I think one of the things that I thought would, you know, definitely impact Jamestown as well as other municipalities is this issue of this housing um, compact that the governor mm-hmm. proposed. Uh, where, where do you stand on what is being proposed by New York State as well as what the legislature is proposing, which the legislature seems like they're like, well, let's provide a carrot, whereas it sounds like Kathy, Governor Kathy Hochul's proposal is a little bit more, you're just going to do this. So. Yeah, so it's certainly uh, an issue. I always like to say the state bud- the state budget being due on April 1st is more like an April Fool's joke, uh, which is <laughs> it's really the case. Uh, obviously, there's always been a push to get it done by April 1st, but it, it's always a challenge. And this negotiation process between the legislature and the governor's office and all the parties is always a very tricky situation. But you mentioned the housing compact. Right, and so I was invited to a roundtable with the governor as well as the head of uh, housing for New York State, uh, and we had some really good discussions about what the housing compact could look like. Uh, and I'm I'm excited uh, to see what that could be, and I do want to learn more from Jamestown. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, uh, but there is certainly some requirements to the housing compact that subverts a city's ability to make its own rules in terms of zoning. Uh, so we want to be careful about that. Uh, But as I expressed uh, to the governor and her staff, uh, the concern in Jamestown isn't necessarily affordable housing, it's housing stock and the ability to utilize that funding to remove old housing stock and to build new. Uh, And so that's a concern that I've raised uh, to the governor and her staff, uh, which is we need to be able to not only look at this as, yes, we need more affordable housing downstate and other places, and yes, we need new builds uh, across the state, but what are we doing about getting rid of this, the stock that we have that sits empty, that is not going to get fixed, that has been owned by um, out-of-country landlords that are going to do nothing with that land? Uh, we as a city just don't have the funding, the millions of dollars that are needed to knock them all down and hope for the best that someone wants to build there. So uh, here in Jamestown, the strategy needs to be just a little bit different. Uh, and so we're excited to see you know, what that might look like going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the legislature's proposal, I mean, they proposed 
taking some funds and, and giving a care to municipalities to say, okay, if you're going to do this work, we're going to give you money. I mean, have you heard enough about that to comment on it? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds like it's one of those clear as mud things too to me. So, so, so typically with those, uh, with those type of negotiations, we hear bits and pieces about it, uh, but we don't necessarily know what it entails because these are negotiations between the governor's office, the executive branch, and the legislative branch. Uh, so, you know, if there are proposals floating around, we're not going to, we're only going to hear bits and pieces of it uh, until it, it gets gets finalized. Mm-hmm. So, because it's a week before Easter, and also this this will air on Easter Sunday as well. But there is a a, a tradition coming back to Jamestown to City Parks uh, this weekend. Uh, can you tell us more about the Easter egg hunt for this year? Very excited about the Easter egg hunt. I remember, and maybe I was just because I was a kid and didn't think about it. We used to have the Easter egg hunt. Uh, at the Allen Park Band Shell. And for some reason, I just remember just tumbling down trying to run after eggs. Uh, but, you know, maybe that vision of mine is just a little blurred because <laughs> I was a child when it happened. Uh, but we've made it more safe now. Uh, we made it safer. And uh, it's we're really excited to have the Easter egg uh, hunt, rain or shine, at the uh, Allen Park, uh, formerly known as the Ice Rink. Uh, Allen Park Ice Rig. Uh, so we're very excited to be able to have that. It's going to be April 8th at 11 a.m. Uh, and so we're we're going to see the uh, word on the street is the Easter Bunny is coming. Uh, and I do know that our firefighters are going to be helping to bring the Easter Bunny into town because we want to make sure that the Easter Bunny has a nice ride, uh, you know, doesn't hit any of the potholes or things like that. So a fire truck will be bringing the Easter Bunny in for our kids. Will it be um, like an acorn as a in some years or is it just going to be like how will it be set up because i know parents will always ask you know well are you going to have age groups are you gonna is it gonna yeah. be how is it gonna work so a lot of it depends on the rain <laughs> so uh when we say rain or shine uh, we, we are hoping that we're able to do an actual egg hunt uh if possible uh, but a lot of that'll be weather dependent um if it does if it does start to rain we may move that inside and, and change it a little bit so mm-hmm. Uh, we're still working out the final details, uh, but we, we want to try to make it as interactive and friendly for, for families and for kids as possible. Mm-hmm. Is there uh, anything else that you'd like to add for today? Nope. Just very excited that spring is coming uh, and that we're, we're moving forward. And we're, uh, we're always very excited to see people out and about again. I feel like it's been a, a long winter and uh, it's just great to, to see folks back out and enjoying not only our city parks, which should be opening soon, uh, as well as all of the, uh, the rest of the things that we have here in the city of Jamestown. Summer's coming quick and it's going to be a busy one. Mm-hmm. Well, Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. 